2: Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.
3: Hi there, I'm Zach Graff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends but we met playing fake life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom
1: Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time
4: One hundred words or less the podcast. That is what you're listening to. Thank you very much for downloading this thing onto your phone or your computer or whatever. Who down? Actually, who downloads podcasts to a computer? I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you stream it. Maybe you're listening on Spotify. I don't care where you're listening to it. You care about independent music. That's why you were here. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, ever present on our week-to-week journey with all of these people who are doing the damn thing in independent music, whether that's creating it, whether that's putting it out, documenting it, whatever it is, that is what I'm here to follow. And that's what you're here to follow. Hopefully your day is going well. The guest this week is Mr. Josh Hagquist from The Beautiful Mistake. He is a very good friend of mine, and I wanted him on the show because uh, the band came back after like 15 years of dormancy. And they're coming out with a new EP on Wiretap Records here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, you'll hear a little bit of uh, that coming up here in a moment. But uh, Beautiful Mistake—they were a huge band in the early 2000s and had a lot of amazing things going on for them, and kind of you know flirted this line between you know hardcore and emo and you know all of that sort of confusing subgenre stuff that started to happen in the, well, I mean, it's always happened, but you know, in the early 2000s, there was a lot of line blurring from that perspective. But uh, I wanted to have Josh on because he's a incredibly open and honest person. And I wanted to dive into kind of the history of the band and then the dissolution and reformation and all of that stuff. So Anyways, let's talk about you emailing the show. One hundred words podcast is where you can always reach out to the show, and please, of course, rate and review this show on whatever podcast catcher you are listening to it on. I appreciate the feedback that we get on that, and uh, you know, sometimes they hurt my feelings, but you know, I I try to build a thicker skin. And then I just went to a show recently. I went to the California, actually I had two shows recently. Went to the California Takeover with Earth Crisis, Strife, and Snapcase, and Magnitude and Hesitation Wounds here in Los Angeles. And then I went to see my friends in Curl Up and Die, and Pressure Cracks, and Seizures, and a band called Benoit, which I actually miss them. But uh, yeah, just all in all, these two shows, really, really cool. I very much um, enjoyed it. Both of them, immensely. There was, uh, you know, friends and acquaintances and meeting new people and just plus seeing amazing bands perform. Like I never in my wildest dreams ever thought that I would see Earth Crisis, Strife, and Snapcase all in the same bill uh, because I was just a little bit too young to go to the first California Takeover. I had just started going to shows then, so yeah, I'm I'm thankful that I was able to do that and it was just a great show. Um, I am going to be honest with you. I am kind of sitting on pins and needles right now because uh, I'm waiting for some Test results to come back for my wife, uh, and for those of you that have followed along to the show, it's uh, you know it's been a journey. Uh, my wife I got diagnosed with cancer some odd, three odd years ago, and uh, you know we do periodic testing, and uh, you know there was a little something random detected that we'll have to do further testing on. Um, it's just you know it's rough and it sucks, and uh, I never want to, uh, I guess, hide that from you and act like, you know, kind of everything is is normal in my life when, you know, like I said, I'm just kind of on pins and needles. So, uh, you know, if you are a prayer, a prayer type, I would accept your prayers. If you're a positive thinker type, I will accept those as well. So please just keep, you know, me and my family in your thoughts. Uh, yeah. So Josh, let's just dive into it. Okay. Here's Josh. We obviously existed in the same scene at the same time but yeah. like i don't distinctly remember like shaking your hand like it's like hey josh this is ray ray this is josh like i don't remember what show. yeah that. i don't
5: i think it might have been at the chain reaction or it might yeah it might have been at the chain just sure. at a random show right yeah because then we when we first started hanging out was when we played shows with you guys exactly in Arizona, and yeah yes and it was one of those things where for me like <laughs>
4: i mean i discovered you guys via Light a match, and honestly, it felt to me like you guys came out of nowhere, and I, I don't mean that in like a yeah. disrespectful way. It just all of a sudden it was like, wait, the beautiful mistake. Like, oh, I really like this record because I got it from Chad and Rory at yeah. Militia, and because they were like, hey, you should play with these guys, and I was like, oh yeah, we should. And it just, <laughs> I was like, wow, like another band doing similar-ish things to yeah, us. Yeah. And so it, I really don't have any solid touch point to like where you guys quote unquote came from. <clears throat> And I know that's like a really sort of rote basic question, but yeah. I was just like, I don't know how you guys even got on like Militia Group's radar and like how that all even
5: just occurred. Yeah. Like, where were you guys, I guess, where was your home base? That well, you were we, we all lived in Riverside. Okay. So when we started, so it kind of spawns out of the previous band we were in before Beautiful Mistake, before okay. we started Beautiful Mistake. We were in a band called Ember. So Sean, our guitar player. Okay. Steve, our guitar player. Okay. Josh, our drummer. The four of us were in Ember. Okay. And we had another singer, and he quit. So out of that, we started The Beautiful Mistake. Got it. And And did Ember, like, did it sound like Beautiful Mistake, or was it something a little bit? It was a lot mellower. Oh, okay. Same idea. Got it. Uh, Ember was more Juliana Theory, Stairwell. Okay, got uh, it. Jimmy World. Little poppier, sure. Little poppier. And when Beautiful Mistake started, we really wanted to explore kind of our hardcore influences as well as sure. the pretty stuff like jimmy world and of real estate and things like that
4: right and so you got and then so you because you you guys i mean I, I remember like starting to see your name on flyers but it was only really around like you know maybe a couple months before um you know light a match even though i know you guys were working hard and playing shows like all over the inland empire and stuff like that but it it Like, did you feel um, that you guys, I guess, like, had momentum pretty, quote, unquote, quickly, for lack of a better term? Like, people started paying attention to what you were doing, like, quicker, I guess, than maybe, like, what happened with Ember, like, if anyone cared about that at all to begin with?
5: Yeah, I... I I don't think that it came about quickly. I yeah. think we started playing shows in Riverside. We, we started playing shows in San Diego Okay, with Noise Ratchet. Our first show ever was with Noise Ratchet down right. in San Diego. Okay, um, I played bass and sang at the time, which nice. was kind of fun. Sure. Not really, but it was kind of fun. <laughs> A few less strings. And so when we recorded our, our first demo, our first EP... We had a guy that was our buddy named Alan Wu. He managed Sounds Like Records. It was a record store in Riverside. Okay. And every week they'd put these charts in on what the top sellers were. Uh And so we were playing shows all over the place. And we had our stuff on mp3.com, which really, like we were in the top five under the quote-unquote emo category. Okay. With Thursday, Blink-182, Right. Rufio. Heavy hitters. Us. I mean, You're like, people what? loved what we were doing. And so Alan put our little EP in the listening station at that record store. Okay. And we were selling like 15, 20 copies a week. And wow. then like 30 or 40 copies a week. And started playing the Showcase more. Right. Glass House. Finally started playing the Chain Reaction. So we were playing a lot of shows all around Orange County, yeah, but not in Orange County, right, right, right. Um, so for us, it was it was organic but slow on our from our perspective. Sure, you know, we were like, oh, we're working really hard. We're playing almost every weekend, right,
4: right, right, and right. Even I mean, but I, I'm glad you brought up like that. You know, that era of MP, like the infancy of the internet, where it was like people were obviously able to figure out music quicker than what they had previously by like you know just buying a record randomly at a store or yeah. whatever. But that really did propel so many bands. I mean, Rufio is a prime example of bands that just like started to pop up. No one knew who they were from a national perspective, but they were just like... Oh, like that song is really good. That band is really good. And then it started to be able to, you know, record labels started to pay attention much closer to that. Yeah, absolutely. Was was that how Militia Group reached out to you guys?
5: Yeah, so we had our stuff in the listening station. We were the top charting album, it sounds like, for, I don't know, three months in a row, above a lot of other things that were coming out on Victory or Revelation, Equal Vision, things like that. So we started to catch people's attention. Um, because our numbers were,
2: were popping off, popping of that. off yeah. in that
5: one store. And That's that amazing. store happened to be weighted too. So it was showing sound scan numbers for a record that we paid for. Sure. I did the graphic design yeah, for Yeah, you put out your demo and it's charting. We paid like five extra dollars to get a barcode on it. You know, I mean, it's just one of those freak things. And yeah. so the first label that approached us officially was Tooth and Nail. Okay. Um, I knew Bill Powers, who used to work there. Uh, yep. I knew him from way back in the day. And he came down to see us play and took us to Denny's and handed us a seven-record contract. Sure. And was like, we want to sign you. We love you. You're our favorite band. And we had talked to Militia because I knew Chad from before when he worked at Tooth The Nail. And he had started to come out and see us play, him and Rory. Yep. And they handed us a 2 Record two-page contract, and we always had liked Chad and and thought very highly of him, and so we decided to go with Militia. But we had talked to Lewis from Hopeless. Um, Equal Vision had expressed some interest as well back in the day. Yeah, um, but we really felt comfortable going with you know local label people that we were familiar with. Yep. You know, it wasn't much, one less, of those. much less stringent contracts. <laughs> Absolutely, two, two, two records pages. instead of seven. Yeah. yeah, two records instead of seven. Uh, but we really felt like that was a, a good opportunity for us, and it, it to get our feet wet. Yeah, when it came to putting out an, a, a proper record, right? Yeah. Well, it's just really—I mean, I,
4: I I appreciate that story because, like I said, I didn't know exactly how that stuff was starting to occur for you. I knew that you did have people paying attention to you. And I knew that there were you know labels talking about you and stuff like that. Um, but it's just—it's it, so funny how it's like, yeah, you just put a demo, and like, <laughs> here we go,
5: like one store. <laughs> Stocking
4: it and then totally
5: starts to take off yeah and then john and i moved to uh huntington beach right um in 2001 so we always kind of claimed orange county as our home and my bandmates get super pissed at me because whenever we play live i say the same thing i've said the same thing yeah since maybe 2001 (laughs) we're the beautiful mistake we're from southern california thanks for coming out sure i mean that is and they're like we're from Riverside. I'm like, no, no one knows what Riverside nobody is. Nobody cares about that's like us. Me saying now, uh, I'm from Escondido. I don't tell anyone that. Right. I say San Diego, sure, because nobody knows. Yeah, San and Diego I don't want to go through the whole right thing about having to explain the geographic location. Twenty of, minutes north, you know, like you know, <laughs> it's like twenty minutes from the coast. Twenty minutes north of San Diego proper. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, here's your here's your GPS coordinates. It's yeah. in a little <laughs> valley. It's really pretty. No one right. cares. So. No. But yeah, they yeah. give me a hard time about that every time we play. That's, even even now, like when right. we did our reunion shows. Yeah. After the first show at the Chain Reaction. Hey, we're from Riverside or, originally. <laughs> it's I'm like still going. <laughs> Steve lives in Riverside, but that doesn't count. Right. And I'm just gonna say Southern California because Yeah, that's where we've always said that we we're from. Right? That's what we claim. Yeah, exactly. All of Southern
4: California. Totally, yes. The, the greater Southern California area. Yes. <laughs> um now and we'll we'll be able to get dive back into some band stuff but you specifically because uh you know since we've known each other for a long time but again i've never been had had the ability to dig back into your past like born and raised like born and raised in southern california where are you from
5: no i was born in minnesota but grew up in southern california okay um grew up for the most part in escondido okay so where i live now got it and what age did you move out here uh, as a baby, oh, okay. as, as a pretty young kid. Um, my dad was in college. He had gotten out of the Navy and was in college and, okay. and, uh, then we moved out here. Got it. And, uh, did he move out here? Because I mean, San Diego is obviously
4: well known for military. Yeah. So like he moved out here for that. Yeah. Specific, okay. Got it.
5: And so, um, yeah, grew up, you know, we kind of moved around a little bit. Um, he went to graduate school up in the Bay area, Okay. Uh, When I was in fourth, fifth grade. Got it. And then moved back to San Diego. Got it. So I always thought Escondido was my home. Like I've kind of claimed that as my home because I spent the most time there. Yeah. And, you know, did junior high, high school. Right. And so, yeah, grew up in San Diego County. And what did your house makeup look like? Like, was your mom around? Did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. uh, No brothers and sisters. uh, Mom and dad. Sure. Um, And just a really solid home. Like, My mom was very loving, like she's a teacher. Okay. And uh, she kind of had her finger on the pulse as to what young people were up to. Okay. Whereas my dad's just clueless, like to this day. Yeah. God bless. But he just has no frame of reference to music, pop culture, culture, nothing. (laughs) Uh, It's He's oblivious to it, and maybe that's awesome. Sure. Um, But my mom really had a a feel for what kids were going through Mm -hmm. because she taught at the high school I went to. And so... Did you actually have her at any point? No. She taught the deaf students, actually. So she did um, uh, sign language interpreting in hearing classes. Okay, got it. Which was pretty cool. But she was always the one that was identifying with what I needed or what I was interested in. So, you know, really good, a very solid family unit. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, mom being kind of the, the nurturing, loving... Yeah, well, mil- uh, military
4: father. I mean, like, that that does bring certain yeah, connotations so, to mind. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
5: Um, and my dad's a, you know, my dad's classic Midwest. Um, all my dad's side of the family is from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And so they're very reserved. They're very... Um, they're lacking in a lot of emotional highs and lows. Sure. Everything's just kind of even keel the right. whole time. Right. So, you know, whereas my mom was Italian... And, you know, highs and lows are kind of the norm. Right. Spoke with her hands, was loved very strongly. Sure. And so she was the one that encouraged music for me and got me into that very young. Got it. And kind of was that that cheerleader sure. for that. Yeah, yeah, the whole time. That's uh, cool. Yeah. Well, and especially,
4: too, like the, I mean, I uh, identify with the only child nature because I myself am an only child. And there is that, there is that element that, you know, you're you're just learning on your – like you, don't, you can't learn from siblings. So you're obviously learning from people kind of around you from a school perspective. But then you clearly are, like, leaning on your parents in ways that maybe uh, others that have siblings aren't because you're just like, I don't know how to exist in the world. Like you, you can't articulate that obviously – but you're just leaning on them for like just like you said the emotional vocabulary.
5: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I always joke that and say that my parents reached perfection the first time they didn't have to bother with any more. Totally, kids. they're like, we got it, we got it. And I was probably a handful anyways. So, um, but yeah, you kind of have to learn to survive on your own uh-huh. as an only child, and that was one of the things. That's why music was so important for me because I could go in my room and not have necessarily any friends around or any distractions and just absorb yeah tapes just dive in and records and guitar and trumpet or whatever it was Mm -hmm. that was my fantasy world right you know starting in about third grade yeah um, that's when i learned how to play trumpet oh third grade the what how did
4: trumpet get introduced to you
5: so (laughs) my dad and my two uncles his two brothers that live in minnesota are not musical at all okay my dad loves music, but he's... You can't play it. No. Right. So they would always joke because they did band in high school back in Minnesota in the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. and they would wait for the one note they knew to come around again, and then they would play the one note sure. along Burr, with the whole... Right, yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> and that was a joke, but I, I I think there was like a ton of truth behind that because they're just not musical. Yeah. So they had the old trumpet that my dad played. Okay. We had it. Yeah, it's just around. So yeah, and I had taken piano uh, at a pretty young age. My mom was a fantastic pianist, and so I had taken piano and kind of. I always liked music, and I was dancing around. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, "Why don't you learn how to play trumpet?" You know, because third grade was when they were starting music in elementary school. So I had the trumpet and got enrolled in music. Yeah. In elementary school, and then I played trumpet third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, and then seventh grade, I joined marching band. Okay. Real, legit. There aren't very many junior highs that have a, a proper marching band. I was going to say, because I was like, that's more of a high school slash college experience.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And
5: so, in Escondido, I went to Hidden Valley Middle School. We had uh, an, an awesome music program, but an awesome marching band program, so... Every weekend in the fall, mm-hmm. I was going all over Southern California competing. competing yeah. in marching band competitions, which That's was cool. awesome. So I learned a ton of theory. I learned a lot of discipline, and it was just an awesome like uh, subculture to be a part of. You uh-huh. know, especially as as kind of a nerd. Sure, I, I that word means so many things. But yeah, as someone who wasn't high on the, <laughs> the popularity <social-lattery>. scale. <laughs> Uh it was it was a you know, I definitely found a lot of my identity in doing that.
4: Yes, Rockabilia is the place that you need to buy all of your band merch. I don't care what it is you were looking for, they most likely have it. Like if you're like, oh Murder City Devils or you know, how about uh how about uh something else in regards hey, 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 Pennywise shirts, you got that? Oh of course. we We, I act like I work for them now, they have it all. And you need to use the code PC100Words that gets you 15% off your order. Please use that code because uh, it helps out the show. It obviously will help you out, save you some cash. But uh, this company is the real deal. Fast shipping, amazing customer service, high quality merchandise that is all officially licensed. So you're getting no terrible bootlegs. The bands are getting paid on this. It's, It's such a horrible problem, this whole bootleg culture that exists. Um, where people who have no attachment to the bands whatsoever are profiting off of it. And uh, yeah, it just kind of, um, you know, it sucks. And I hate that. But Rockabilia does not traffic in that. The real deal. So, yes, please use the code PC100Words, 15% off. Buy to your heart's content. Buy your friends, buy your family, buy yourself some merch. Okay. Thank you, Rockabilia, for your continued support. Now here's the rest of the show. uh, Well, you had a a community built into that. Absolutely. Where it's like, that's, I mean, especially too, where you, if you can't, because that's all that middle school, junior high and high school is all about, just being able to be like, well, I'm going to try this thing out for a bit. Oh, okay, well, people don't like me over there, so I'm going to try this. And so like, for you to be able to find that, you you had the element of competition that you know clearly people get from a sporting perspective, but then you had the other component of that, just the people that are like there to you know support you and be your friend and hang out. Yeah, and absolutely. Like you said, you're traveling all over the place. That's just a really cool experience.
5: Yeah, and it it's it's bonding. Like there's there's so much bonding and community that goes along with people that are in the same position. Yes, for the most part. And we thought we were the coolest people right? in that little bubble totally. of marching band, whether it was in junior high or especially high school, because that's when the hierarchies of uh, social status really start to form. We thought we were awesome. Right. I, I felt like the coolest kid in my white polished band shoes and Heck my yeah. 100% wool right. uniform. And it's like 100 degrees Just so hot. Yeah. in Arcadia, California <laughs> uh, hot, hot, yeah. on like a, a, a Saturday in September. Oh. But we thought we were so cool. And it, it, I think that sense of pride and that sense of belonging, mm-hmm. I found that in marching band. Right, I really found it in music right. and, and punk rock and hardcore and sure. all of that after that. Right, right. Or no, during that time, but I sure. started to transition out of right. that.
4: music. Yeah, music was already sort of foundational to who you were. And then you just being able to attach yourself to another
5: culture that is, you know, music <laughs> music related is like, oh, yeah, I can easily do this. Yeah, and way cooler. Cool. <laughs> no offense. No offense to no. the man people out That's, there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> totally. Um, and so I, I guess
4: beyond like uh, removing that component, like you said, you were just a, uh, you know, whatever, a nerd, like, you know, keeping to yourself. Obviously, you had your band crew. Um, did you care about school? Did you like, you know, get good grades or if,
5: okay-ish grades? Yeah. So I, I was one of those people that was told you have a lot of potential. You're you very bright. Yourself. You just have to apply yourself. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, all the time. And so in high school, I was in honors and AP classes, but I would get Cs in those classes. Okay. And I would learn, but I didn't really do my best to... to Well, if you're in honors,
4: a C is a B, right? Well, totally, totally. (laughs) You're like, dude, I'm killing it, man.
5: Yeah, and then there was this one semester, I remember, where I was in honors English the first semester, and I got a C. Mm -hmm. So my guidance counselor said, I'm going to drop you to college prep because that's just unacceptable, and I got a C in the college prep. <laughs> you're like, well, it just looks like I'm getting a C no matter where you're. Putting yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it was, it was it was interesting because I, there were there were subjects in school that I really really liked music, art. I really liked U.S. history. Okay. Um, macroeconomics because there was less math involved sure it's more concepts yes, conceptual yes. Right. math i'm horrible at <laughs> yeah don't get specific just no. talk about big stuff right but it i i think that i gravitated towards those because i was really interested in those mm-hmm. and then just kind of said i'm gonna do the bare minimum right the rest of the time which in hindsight wasn't the best choice to make Uh, When I was a senior, I did academic decathlon. They do this uh, academic decathlon program where you study 12 different subjects and you compete against Mm -hmm. other schools. And they have to have-
2: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken and I wish that I would be able to like get it. Instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a, a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. No.
0: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
5: C students. So you, ha- you can have three people that are 4.0, three people that are 3.0, and then you have to have three C students. Right. So I was one of the C students because I knew a lot, but... Again, didn't right. apply myself. There, sure, sure. You know? so I was like C plus student, probably B minus student, and then uh, when they gave when they give citizenship grades, do you remember those? Of course, I always got U's. Too right. much talking, unsatisfactory. <laughs> so I was he's always got, got to shut up, distracted, and right, you know, doodling, goofing, you know, writing ACDC on my uh, binder, or, right, you know, right. kiss or whatever. Sure, sure. <laughs> Just completely screwing around checked out
3: yeah
4: yeah, yeah
5: yeah you're like i don't care about this class totally
3: in a world where everyone is confined to their homes society begins its largest bin watch to date in the hallowed library of hulu or perhaps on a shelf of dvds you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions hi
4: Did you, uh, so then, like you mentioned, with the introduction of, you know, punk and hardcore, like, who was your sort of gatekeeper from that perspective? Who was, like, showing that to you? Or were you just tripping across it? Uh,
5: it was kind of a mixture of both. So my section leader in high school, he was into music. So he was into, like, The Cure and U2 and okay. and New Order and all those things. Uh, but uh, there were other people in marching band that were into punk rock. Okay. And they were letting me borrow tapes. Oh, great. And there was this guy, Gabe, I remember. I don't even remember his last name at this point. But yep. he gave me a tape of Dead Milkmen, oh. Minor Threat, and Dead Kennedys. Great mix yeah. Give me convenience or give me death. I think yeah, yeah, absolutely. And these were forbidden in my house. Okay. My parents were very conservative, very religious, I was not allowed to listen to of that. the
4: Christian strain I presume. Exactly. Okay, yes. yes. Yes.
5: And so dude lyric checking like they got to make oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Got it. Uh, and I have a funny story about that if you want to hear it later. Of course. Of course. Uh, I was grounded for about a month due to lyrical content of a of a song that I was playing. But so I was listening to these tapes on my, you know, Walkman mm-hmm. and my head just it like, blew up. Like so, it really blew my hair back and it 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 made me go what is, what is this? this? You know, so I started kind of digging deeper. I would go to record stores in Escondido and pick up the. There was this uh, magazine I presume called Lose Records. Lose is where I bought some of my first great, records. Great store, yeah. I would pick up this little magazine called Three Hundred and Sixty and just dig through it. And this is when you know Rocket from the Crypt and Buck Nine and Blink before they were Blink One Eighty Two and Lucy's Fur Coat and Unwritten Law. Yeah. They were all starting to get big when I was in high school, right. And I was just absorbing all this stuff. I would go and, you know, uh, I started listening to Pennywise because of snowboarding videos, of course. And that's when uh, all the epithat stuff was just totally, totally. pervasive. Yeah. So um, it's
4: I never it, it, I don't know why I never really considered that notion of you know all of those bands hitting off at roughly the same time in San Diego. Yeah. Um, But how impactful that was to that area, like, because I mean. I, you know, I mean, I saw Blink, like, you know, play Showcase. And, like, the, those bands were, you know, like, Unwritten Law. Like, those bands were powerful here. But just how powerful they were in San Diego. And then, you, uh, like you said, like, Rocker from the Crypt. Like, you have all of these different influences where, you know, it, in Orange County, like, we were getting so much of the either ska and or, you know, the Epitaph fat stuff, which was great, but you had this really interesting hodgepodge of stuff yeah. thrown at you.
5: It was really eclectic, um... But I was absorbing it at kind of a a frantic Mm -hmm. pace. And I would, you know, pour over lyrics. And then, you know, I remember my buddy gave me a cassette of Minor Threat. Well, on the back of that, it says for, you know, $3 or, you know, postpaid, you can get another cassette and we'll send you a catalog. And that's how I got into the Discord stuff. It's amazing. Uh, Revelation was the same way. Uh, for me, you know, looking at the little catalog, the little mail order catalog, I would send away for all of them. Yep. You know, as I would see an address, I'd be like,
2: oh, "Yeah, I'm send me a send catalog." I want
5: a catalog, and then I'd start looking through it. You know. Yeah. And um, Discord was probably the first like indie label that I really got into, mm-hmm. and and that was because of Fugazi. Mm-hmm. Um, Fugazi was one of those bands that I was like, "It's all come together" because it was it was a little more thoughtful mm-hmm. than. Uh, I've always liked bands like the Dead Kennedys and and some of the West Coast stuff, sure. But a lot of it didn't necessarily resonate with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not from the East Bay. I'm I grew up in a, you know, a a religious mm-hmm. maybe lower middle class family in the burbs. Sure. I, I'm not a I didn't feel like a revolutionary. Right. I didn't feel like I wanted anarchy. I didn't feel like I wanted to destroy the system. Sure. So for me, when I heard Fugazi, and then, you know, from there it was like Rites of Spring mm-hmm. and you know, Nation of Ulysses. I started listening to all these bands and I loved the music first. Right. And then I was like, wow, this is really thoughtful. Yeah. The lyrics have some something more than just let's destroy right. everything. Right. Even though it's like it's funny because the the core of it. Is still the same. Absolutely.
4: But you're just saying you're saying like it's the it was the presentation of the thing where you were like oh like this is there's more than just the sort of shock and awe that is contained in those bands that you remember you know Dead Candies or whatever like exactly y- there's no you know like police truck and those songs like they will viscerally impact you but then you're just like I've never been abused by the police but I you know and like totally trying to find that 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 uh, relatable point you're able to pull down but that's I I really appreciate. I don't think I've ever heard anybody sort of articulate that component of those bands, but it totally is. Like the core meaning of it is the same where it's just like, oh yeah, we don't need this system. We don't need to burn it down. We'll just exist completely alongside of it doing our own thing.
5: Yeah. And I I always, I'm always reminded of like smallpox champion Mm -hmm. off of in on the kill taker. So I love us history. I'm interested in us history. I I like reading all perspectives so I can read Zinn, and I can read Gordon Wood or whoever. And, but that song, it wasn't just America's bad Mm -hmm. and our history is tainted. Sure. It it really put a visual to that in a very powerful and very articulate way for me where I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah, this song hits on so many different levels. And then the music is ripping too. Sure. Which was. Yeah, that's your, that's your gateway. That's the gateway right there. But. That was probably the first label that I got into because I, I really liked the, I, I I thought a lot of those bands mm-hmm. um, that weren't as like old school DC absolutely um, were more my style sure. and then that got me into Rights of Spring and Dag right. Nasty but then you go to like Gorilla Biscuits yep. and Youth of Today right. and Shelter and then you go Sunny the Real Estate and your yeah your world's I, I opened mean, up yeah, yeah, yeah. then it's just a yeah. A, yeah. A, a, cluster of oh my gosh like i every everywhere i turn i'm getting something that has depth and it's hitting me at an emotional level and not just an aggressive yeah because west coast punk all Mm. the epitaph stuff is pretty bad religion's always been very Mm -hmm. heady and very um academic yep but a lot of the stuff is just and I, I, it's pretty, gonna, it's pretty one, no, but I understand what you're saying. You know, yeah. it's bro, let's get crazy. And, yeah. and and I, and that just, that's not me. Right. Exactly.
4: Yeah. You don't identify with that. Totally. So
5: I know. I totally get that. The, um, so did you
4: have, you know, as you were going through school and everything like that, did you have a vision of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Like, you know, a career path as it were, or was it just.
5: Yeah. So when I was in high school, uh-huh. I was pretty deep into politics okay and my senior year you know how they do the popularity contests that they they talk about in the yearbook so best sure. hair
4: yes best cutest smile couple,
5: cutest couple yeah i was not on any of those lists <laughs> okay my friend tara who was a fellow academic decathlete okay along with me she was editor of the yearbook so we had some nerd power that was involved in this decision-making. Yep. And so I was voted most likely to kill over politics.
2: <laughs> okay.
5: Along with her. Okay. Yeah. And we're, we're still friends to this day. Like, she's awesome. But yep. uh, that was how far I got up on the popularity scale. Sure. Uh, I was very – I wanted to go into law. When I was in high school, I was part of the Junior Statesmen of America. Oh, okay. I went to University of Texas in between my junior and senior year to study government. Yeah, and it was like this immersive summer school that they put on. Okay. And it was at the University of Texas, and went and learned a ton about government. Took college classes Mm -hmm. in U.S. history, uh, political science, uh, debate. Wow, yeah. You Parliamentary were, procedure, all this stuff, you know? You were deep into it. I right. was super into it, and that was kind of my vision that I saw myself uh, headed towards was becoming a lawyer, I, you know, like constitutional law or mm-hmm. something involved with politics or okay. policy. I, I thought that would be a, where my niche was. Sure. That's where I was at when I was, you know, 16. <clears throat> Got it. And did you did you go to college like to pers- continue to pursue that? Uh, I went to college and studied art history.
4: Okay. <laughs> Slight, slight difference.
5: Yeah, I. It's kind of a a long story, but I'll I'll summarize. So I really wanted to get into law, Mm -hmm. and my mom uh, was still teaching at the high school after I graduated, and she was walking across the teacher student teacher parking lot, and she got hit by another teacher. Okay. I, I mean, the teacher wasn't paying attention, hit her, and then, so my mom, you know, has to get a lawyer. And they are going back and forth. And the other teacher has a lawyer and they're not allowed to speak to each other. And oh, then yeah. the teacher that hit her said that my mom wasn't paying attention and that it's my mom's fault. And then they brought in a mediator to say, well, it's both of your fault. So and my mom had carpal tunnel. She had landed on her wrists after she got hit. Okay. And it, it really hurt her. Ability to do sign language. That was her job. Absolutely. And so after lawyers got involved, uh, they decided that it was a, there was no fault. It was 50 50, and that nobody has to pay anything, and that there's, and it was really eye opening for me. Uh-huh. Like, here's my mom, you know, champion of students at my high school, mm-hmm. uh, just. A uh, person who loved very uh, loudly. Sure. Uh, who accepted everyone regardless of their background or their p- politics or whatever. Yeah, she was there to help. And lawyers get involved and now blame my mom for walking across the parking lot. Right. And it was that moment when I said, I want nothing to do with law
4: Wow. or
5: legal so you, yeah, just, things at all. It automatically turned me off. Wow. That one experience. I mean, that I, one experience. And I, I know understand. that. You right. make a generalization there. You know, I don't think all lawyers are bad. Understood. I don't think law is horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a decision I made for myself. Absolutely, I want nothing to do with any of this. Right? You ran into that wall, and you were just like, "Oh, I see how the like I see how
4: this can work. I can't pursue this. No, I want yeah. nothing to do with it." So right. I studied
5: art history. Sure. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Which, yeah, that's, I mean, it. you you were leaning, obviously, into your other passions that you were already kind of collecting in high school, so it, it definitely yeah. makes sense.
5: And I'd already started doing music um, prior to college, so in high school, I uh, started my first band with um, Josh Kemble. He was from Dogwood. Okay, sure. So that was actually my first band, okay. was Dogwood. We were called Half Off, started when I was 16. Nice. And we wanted to sound like the Offspring. That's great. Pretty much. right. We right. wanted to be punk rock. Sure. And uh, we changed the name to Dogwood a little bit after that. Okay. But, you know, I went to college thinking, oh, I got to go get a regular job. And, uh-huh. and then when the thing happened with my mom, that's kind of also what got me started into, oh, I just want to do music too. Yeah, like, I want to pursue my passion and not just go for what I think I'm supposed to do. Right. Follow that path that, you know, is yeah.
4: laid out for 99% of the people that exist out there. True. And so so as you started to, you know, whatever, play around and get that that band experience and stuff like that, you know, clearly it absorbed you. Like, you were just like, okay, I have to pursue this. Um, but, like, I mean, at that time, too, like, there was no, you know, semblance of being like, oh, I'm going to make this into a career or a living. But, like... But that was something you were just like, well, I don't, I don't care. I'm just gonna like try to pursue that, whatever that may mean.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, it, I didn't have any dreams of becoming a superstar or, mm-hmm. or being famous. I just love playing guitar, sure, and I wanted to s- keep doing that, right? You know, and that didn't really come to where, hey, I want to do this full time until Ember. Okay, and that's when we were living in Redding. Okay, and we were doing the band up there. Oh wow! And playing in Portland, and playing in Seattle, and playing in Sacramento, and and playing in Southern California, and then we decided to go on tour. We we had some label interest, Mm -hmm. and that's when it clicked. That was you know ninety eight. Okay, that's when it clicked, and I was like, I'm gonna get to do music full time. Right, I'm gonna be in a band full time. I don't have to worry about a regular job anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, because I was still pretty young, sure, and had stars in my eyes, and I was like. We're gonna get signed. Right. And it, we're gonna hackers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna do this until I'm
3: yeah, super old.
4: There's an amazing new record that is out now from a band called Great American Ghost that came out on February 14th through E1. I just love this record. It's really, really good. We're actually going to listen to a track called Prison of Hate, and that will get you in the mood for just pretty much moshing wherever you may be listening to this. So let's check it out. I Doesn't that just, just just punch you right in the face? It's produced by Will Putney. The band is uh, currently on the road now. And just, to, you know, visit them on the web. You can find them, Great American Ghost, at all of these social media platforms. But like I said, this record is really a killer one. And uh, I can't thank E1 enough for supporting this. And if you want to dive back into last week's episode, you'll be able to hear a little brief chat with Ethan from the band. And, uh, yeah, it's great stuff. So check out the record, Listen to it to your heart's content on any streaming platform or buy the physical copy. Do the damn thing. Support the band, okay? Now, here's the rest of the show. Did you, like, in those early incarnations and even in Beautiful Mistake, like, the business side of things, like, were you, uh, I guess, comfortable with that? Like, was that weird when you started to have to deal with, like, you know, whatever? I mean, even if it's as simple as, like, booking a show and getting paid $100 for it, like, was that something that you, I guess, enjoyed doing or enjoyed participating in?
5: It was something that I learned about when we were doing Ember. And it was something that I didn't have to deal with because our singer, Dan, at the time, he handled all of that. Got it. Um, But I wasn't uncomfortable doing it. I knew that that had to happen. Right. And when we were... Doing Beautiful Mistake, we actually booked tours through meeting bands on mp3.com. That's
0: great.
5: So we were playing in Michigan. Our, our friends, Edison Clio, mm-hmm. they, we actually oh, did a split yeah. with them yeah, 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 on Reignition. Right. right. We met them. They were from Lansing, and we became best friends with them, but we met them through mp3, and we were just emailing people, or they were emailing us going, if you ever want to come to Michigan and play a show, we'll we brought you a show, and they did. Wow. You know, and Tokyo Rose was another one yeah. on the East Coast. Um, so we were meeting a lot of different yeah, people networking. from all over, networking without, you know, the maximum rock and roll. Yeah, uh, book your fucking life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. We didn't do that. but Right, uh, but it was just a different version of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it, that's when it, you know, that's when it really started to kind of go, wow, you know, well, we're getting 100 bucks in Nashville, mm-hmm. and our next show is in Philly. Right. Are we going to have, Enough, enough money, right? Are yeah. we gonna? Yeah, do we have do we enough to take us there? Yeah, we probably got to find another show in between there. Yeah, absolutely. We'll play Huntington, West Virginia. Bad
4: idea. No <laughs> yeah, offense yeah. to Huntington. No, but there, yeah, there are certain, yeah, there are certain places that are uh, geographically speaking where it's just like, well, yeah, this is a stopover, so it's like, yeah, you know, we got to yeah. play a show, so this is the only place that we can figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so, you know, we, specifically with beautiful mistake, like as things, you know, were because I mean when you guys released light of match, like that definitely impacted people. Like, and it really did, you know, for, for, all stretches of imagination, like, you know, it did well, like people were recognizing you guys, you guys started to, you know, pack out chain reaction and start to like, people really, really identified with that. Um, and you got, I mean, that being like your first full length, like, was that, I guess, overwhelming for you to get that sort of, uh, attention Were you guys, and I don't mean that in like a, Oh my gosh, like I'm so cool all of a sudden, but just like the, you know, when people start to pay attention to you, it's exciting. But at the same time, like, there are certain ramifications that you just don't consider where it's just like, oh, now people are like asking me for an autograph. Like, I feel weird about that. Like, did you have that stuff started to happen to you or was it more slower?
5: Yeah, it, it didn't necessarily start to happen right when when Light a Match came out. We were doing really well in Orange County. We were mm-hmm. doing well in Southern California. We were starting to tour right. um, and have tours booked for us, which was awesome. Yep. And I think 2003 was when things really started to to blow up for us. Yep. You know, we went on tour at the beginning of the year with Glass Eater and mm-hmm. North Star, which was a smaller tour. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, we were seeing a lot of people coming out to shows and people were excited about us. Yep. You know, in Tallahassee. <laughs> right.
4: You're like, what if we. Do-
5: we were in Tallahassee on a Thursday night, and there's, you know, 150 people here, and they're all jumping around. Right. And we're playing, and this is really cool. Um, you know, after that, we toured with. Further Seems Forever, Elliot, and Open Hand. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Mind blown because Elliot was one of our favorite. It is still one of my favorite bands of all time. All of us would say that in the band. Mm -hmm. Further Seems Forever, when we were in Ember, we played with Chris Caraba and Further Seems Forever in South Dakota. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, Them and Legends of Rodeo. (laughs) So this is before their record even came out into the nails. So we already liked... Further, sure, and we liked further with Jason as well. Yeah, how to start a fire, and and so and Open Hand had been another one of those Orange County bands that never broke, but we always respected absolutely. And so for us to do that, we That's started seeing huge. people coming out and wearing Beautiful Mistake t shirts and mm-hmm. and wanting our autographs, and so it was it was a little weird. I think all of us were kind of taken aback by that because none of us started the band to get famous, right. So that was never our goal. Our our goal was to never – we just never envisioned us as being the cool rock star guys. Right.
2: Uh, We just wanted
5: to be in a band and do that. We want to play music that we love and we really believe in the music. Yep. We weren't out there to meet people, Mm -hmm. females. Right, right. We weren't, you know. (laughs) yeah. We weren't out there to stroke our egos in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like our motives for doing music were pretty pure. Sure. Um, Now, you factor in business and labels and managers and booking agents, that's when things start to get weird Mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe a little tainted. Sure. But, you know, for us, we were like, I can't believe that we're playing after Elliot. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that doesn't make any sense. Or I can't believe we're playing after Senses Fail before Brand New. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we the next tour we did, well, we, we toured with Planes Mistaken for Stars. Yeah. And then we did, it was Folly, or no, Monine, Census yeah. Fail, Us right. as direct support, and then and brand, brand new for uh, yes. Deja Intendu. Right. and Tendu. Right. And that record blew up. I yeah. Mean, we were, we were playing places with like two or three thousand kids yeah that's insane so for us we were like what the heck <laughs> right, what are we doing these huge rooms exactly so it was really cool on one hand because we 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 definitely didn't take it for granted right it was awesome but then on the other hand we're like uh i'm just a normal normal person right uh, you want my autograph i'll give you my autograph but yeah I, this is useless right this is I, yeah <laughs> well, i don't i <laughs> right whatever you want like I, it, yeah, yeah. You're, you were here yeah
4: you'd like i am here like yeah, you would never go so far as to be like, oh, like, no, I, you know, I'm above that. But it's just like the, the the nature of the idea that I am not any different than you in any capacity. Besides, I'm just like playing guitar on a stage. like.
5: That's yeah, it. and that ethos, I think, came from growing up watching punk rock and hardcore. Absolutely. Especially hardcore. So especially bands like Snapcase and, mm-hmm. and Strife and... And that whole genre you know them playing on floors yeah you know there being no separation between band and fan right and human being and human being mm-hmm. you know that that's what got me into that in the first place so you know I always like that connection with the crowd and and having it be a um, a collaborative effort when you play instead of just getting up and like I I love seeing Kiss play, Mm -hmm. because I love the spectacle of course. Like, if they had monster trucks going behind them, it would be even better for me. I'd be like, this is the greatest day ever. (laughs) Totally. But I get the spectacle of it. There's not a lot of interaction there. Mm. I'm I'm getting all the visual overload right right in front of me, and that's their thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you look at Youth of Today, Mm -hmm. and they're just right there, and the crowd's right there, and the crowd is actually, like, standing on top of Walter yeah, as he's playing bass, yep. and it's the coolest, like, synergy there. Totally. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. That's right. That That's why you were doing it in the first place. Yeah. Not the, n- yeah, not the notion of, obviously, be, you know, leaning into... Because that was really... That, that time frame that you're talking about, whatever, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, that was when things shifted in the idea that like, oh, like bands can actually quote unquote make a living, whatever that may mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, just being able to tour and they would come home and they wouldn't immediately need to go back to the bagel shop or whatever and work, you know, like you'd yeah. be like, okay, I can take a month off because like I, I, I made a thousand dollars and I, I'm able to like, you know, pay my rent or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so you did get that, you, you started to see the collision of both of those worlds of the worlds of like you know, you're more slick commercial artists. And when I say that, like, I don't, I'm not disparaging that, but just they didn't come from the same background, but they saw the, the idea that like, oh yeah, there are 2,000 to 3,000 people at these shows now. So there is some sort of sustainability. So like, oh yeah, why can't we do that? Because mm-hmm. we like these
5: bands or whatever. I think for us, uh, for both of us, because I would include Taken in this as well. I When we started the band's, our type of music and the music that we enjoyed and kind of were inspired by to start our bands, uh, those bands were not on the cover of Alternative Press. Yeah, no, no. Those point. bands were not getting name-checked. Nope. Ever. No. By anyone that had any sort of um, viability uh, on the a grander scale. Sure. And then about 2003, you know, 2004, you've got Fallout Boy, you've got Thursday, you've got Taking Back Sunday, totally. you've got Brand New. Those would probably be the, the big four, I guess, from... Yeah, uh, from that genre, yeah. um, and they're on the cover of magazines, and they're you know it was yeah it was so it was so in bizarre. Hot topic totally
4: it was so strange to see like I mean Th- thrice obviously is another band where it was just like seeing seeing the ascension and the the passion that people started <laughs> to have on such a large scale where it was like wow this is wild to watch and like mm-hmm. it was like obviously a lot of it was exciting but at the same at the same time there was that notion of like <clears throat> well i like you know and maybe it comes from a bit of jealousy because you're watching your friends all of a sudden be like oh my gosh like you you guys are like really successful but i always had that weird thought in my head where it's like i don't know how many of these people are going to stick around i mean obviously for i mean a band like thrice is completely unique because they've been able to draw some of their people through as they've gotten older and obviously gotten more creative over yeah. time but, yeah, there's a lot of people where it's just like, you know, and this is, it sounds so elitist, but it's just like, oh, these people are tourists, you know? It's like they're going to be in here for a year and then they're not going to, you know, they're going to move on. Yeah. Which is honestly what most normal people do because they're not, they, to your point of what you're saying with Kiss, it's like this is just entertainment. These shows mm-hmm. are just entertainment. And that's fine. Yeah. But it doesn't, you know, for, for people who are were living it and breathing it, those are the ones who are just like, well, this is a little bit more than just entertainment. <laughs> yeah.
5: And it, and every, every scene that gets big or popular or gains some mainstream popularity is going to fade. Sure. You know, it, it happened in Seattle. Yep. You know, you had your Pearl Jam, you had your Melvins, you had your Soundgarden, Alice in Chains,
3: mm-hmm.
5: upper echelon yeah. bands. But then you had your Candlebox. Of course. Who got a huge deal and were pretty late to the game, major label wise, and it, kind of fades. And the same with punk rock. You know, you got your your Green Day and your Offspring and right. a Jawbreaker. Yep. And then you've got a bunch of bands that totally. are interlopers almost or they're there for the, they're there for the the yeah. fame and not necessarily there. They weren't there and didn't do the groundwork mm-hmm. whereas I would say Thrice and Thursday totally those bands did so much groundwork prior to
2: yeah
5: blowing up that <clears throat> they've been able to sustain themselves thrice is just, I mean, they're just geniuses when it comes to art and music and yeah. progression. I mean, they've, their first record is nothing like their last record, yeah. but it's still them. Of
3: course. And
5: they've, they've, they've pulled it off to where they've had everyone follow them. Yeah. they've Through aged that journey. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I think you see those bands that were, were, doing something special, but also did the work to lay the groundwork yeah, for sustainability, right. whereas you had a lot of bands come out and, you know, they were signed, right. and you were wondering, they had the video on MTV, and they've got uh, somebody from Goldfinger writing all their songs for them, and then sure. they vanish. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's gone. Right, right. And nobody cares. Totally.
4: Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. Just, and, they, and they do – it's not even so – because I, I always found it where it, – If you, it doesn't necessarily matter that you have the largest fan base or whatever, but it's just like you want to inspire a reaction out of people. Like the worst reaction that you can get is just like, "Eh, how's that band? And it's like, if that is your thing, it's like, oh man, like you want to be able, and uh, you want people to either like really, really identify with what you do
5: or hate it. Yeah, Yeah, you want a strong reaction either way (laughs) because great art inspires a strong reaction sure. either way. Right. Andy Warhol. I love it. Yeah. I hate it. It's garbage. Yeah, this doesn't look
4: like
2: it. and art. I'm not
5: comparing Andy Warhol to No,
4: but you're just using it as an example. Beautiful right. mistake, for instance. <laughs> yes.
5: I mean, yeah. that can, hey. you draw that conclusion walking down the street. Totally. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Yeah. You're not, you're just you're just putting the idea out there. That's all. Totally. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like great, great art inspires something or or something that moves you. Mm-hmm. It's inspiring something inside you, and it's causing a reaction. Absolutely. So it's like when you hear from me, when I heard Dear You by Jawbreaker, that hit me right. like a, just a sledgehammer. Right. And I, I love that record. Right. I listen to it all the time. Totally. Uh, Sunday Real Estate, mm-hmm. Diary. Yeah. All the time. Mineral, both both Mineral records. Totally. Jimmy. Or- you know, I, I could go down the list, but any of my records or bands that I've loved fallen in love with or have been inspired by are all those bands that have struck a certain chord with me now most of the time it's an emotional chord true because that's how I connect with music mm-hmm. I want there to be I want some pain in my music yeah, yeah, yeah. I want some heartbreak in my give music me give me some feeling I just right. want that feeling you yeah. know so whether it's joy division or the cure yep. or the Smiths mm-hmm. the all of those bands, hit me in a certain way. Same right. with you too. Sure. It's me. Right. That's my connection. That's what I want. Right. That's what you're pulling out of it.
4: Yeah. Um, and so when, when the beautiful mistake ended, um, cause I mean, you, you we never really ended. I know. I mean, cause you guys, you guys basically just kind of you like how I did that. Do well, you like- I know but you, <laughs> I mean, you basically just kind of were just like, I mean, cause there was no uh, ceremonious end, like no final show like no. that sort. So you guys just kind of were like, okay, like we're, we're done. Yeah. And like, we're just not, we're not going to put out any more music, you know, for the foreseeable future.
5: Yeah, that was, so it wasn't necessarily well thought out. Sure. So in 2004, Sean, our guitar player, and Josh, our drummer, they quit. Okay. And John and I were still in the band. Mm -hmm. And we decided we wanted to go forward, and then John Um, had some family stuff, and and just couldn't keep going. So he moved back to Minnesota. So that left me. Sure. And I decided to keep going. And in hindsight, it's it's easy to kind of dissect why. Uh Uh, I didn't want to get a normal job. Sure. I wasn't going to let anyone tell me to stop. Mm -hmm. So there's a pride aspect of it. Sure. And I was stubborn. I mean, those are the three. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm just being honest. Like, yeah. yeah I, I believed in what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But I would have done anything to keep going. Of course, right. Uh, m- even if it was just a middle finger to people who doubted that we would, you know, that thought we were going to break up. Sure. Hey, I'm doing this, eat it. Right, kind of course. Of, kind, of, I, kind of mentality. And so, you know, once those guys left, I decided to do it. I didn't really think about the ramifications of continuing without them. Right. Because in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do it, and I don't care what they think. No, that's not reality. Sure, sure. (laughs) There are feelings. There are intense feelings there. There's friendships that have been lost. There's a lot of baggage and a lot of, like, emotional destruction that has happened Mm -hmm. to get to that point. And then I keep going, and ignore the rubble that I'm walking over. Sure. You know, like yeah. you just, uh, it, there's broken glass everywhere and I'm just walking through it. Yeah, oblivious <laughs> right. to anyone's feelings outside of my own. Right. And so I kept doing the band. We got some new members. We put out an EP. Yep. Um, on Reignition. We did a bunch of tours. We were touring with, you know, Estudies Burn, Dead Poetic, uh, Branson. Sure. We did a lot of great shows and started talking to Equal Vision Equal Vision came out to see us play a couple times. There was a buzz starting to happen again, Mm -hmm. and they gave us a three-record deal, sent me the contract. I got home from... We had played out in Pennsylvania on the last tour we did. This was 2005, and okay. I got home, and my wife at the time was like, "You're done. You're, you, this is over." Yeah, and she's like, "You need to go get a job." And. I'm like, all right, I'll go get a job. So I went, I walked literally down the street to a Starbucks mm-hmm. and hadn't had a, like a normal job in years. Right, I was like, hey, will you hire me? Yeah, uh, I guess I would have liked to apply for a job. And the the manager of the store, her name was Angela. She interviewed me on the spot. Okay, and was like, yeah, we'll hire you. You seem like a nice dude. Sure.
4: Going to shows is a regular part of your life, right? When I say regular, like you know, maybe you go to one show a month, two shows a month. There are always things that you can do to make your show going experience better, whether that's like, you know, having some, some dinner beforehand, but soundrink.com is the best purveyor off of VIP ticketing packages. And I know you may hear that and be like, I don't know, like what, why do I really need a VIP ticket package? Well, let me tell you why, because they have incredible offers. They work hand in hand with the bands and their management to create these really, really cool experiences for shows, whether it's, you know, an acoustic meet and greet before the the actual show happens, or whether it's like physical items, whether it's special t-shirts, silkscreen posters, they think of it all. And like I said, they really tailor these experiences to the band and their fans and make sure that, you know, all of that works in tandem with one another. Because, frankly, I've seen some of these be executed, not from SoundRink, but from some other companies. And, uh, you know, they don't put any thought into it. It's just like, whatever, let's just throw this thing on here and do this thing. And, you know, that's it. But SoundRink is the real deal. And they want to make your show-going experience that much better. So visit SoundRink.com, find some tours that are popping near you, and you will be able to get some great experiences packaged up with that. Okay? So please do that. And thank you, SoundRink, for your continued support.
1: Hi, I'm Esther Dean, and I'm excited to welcome you to a brand new season of Songland and Songland's podcast. We have an amazing roster of talent this season. I promise you, you don't want to miss one single episode. Don't miss Songland, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on NBC. And join us here on Songland's podcast, available every week after the show on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: <laughs> so, I got this job thinking, I'm gonna be here for a month or two, right? Get the band started again. We'll record, mm-hmm. get put out some records starting. on Equal Vision. Everything's going to be awesome, right. And then a month went by, two months, months go by. Three months go by. I called Dan Sanchaw from Equal Vision, and like, I don't have the will to go out again. I can't do it anymore. Okay. I just don't have the mojo. I just don't have the the drive, the drive, sure. I can't grind it out anymore. And so there was never an announcement. Right. Just there was never, um, uh, hey, we love you guys. Thank you for all your support. Right. It was just... The light, the light switch went off. Yeah. Yeah. The light switch went off, and I kind of wanted it that way. Uh-huh. And I don't know at the... I don't think at the time I thought, oh, I'll get the band back together later. Mm-hmm. I really don't think that I was in that mindset. Totally. At all. Yeah. It was going to be done. Right and um so yeah there was never any fanfare whereas some bands have the big statement and sure we're not gonna show, keep whatever, going yeah. this is our last show we'd love for you to come out yeah i was bummed that we never did that mm-hmm. at the time sure so i was like i felt like you know we had a good fan base and and we had people that actually cared right you know and we were never that huge band like
4: but it was a sense i mean it just giving
5: me that sense of closure Totally. Yeah, right. Totally. We were the the band that huge bands opened up for. Yeah. And then they became huge. Sure, you know? sure. But, um, yeah, there was never any announcement. And people ask me that still. Like, yeah. when we did our reunion shows, people were like, you guys never even like broke up, did you? Right. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, we just took a hiatus, so yeah. there's never anything official that says it's done. <laughs> totally. So we've technically been a band since yeah two thousand. Two thousand. You know? right, yeah. Yeah. You guys have been going on
4: twenty years. Twenty, 20 years. years. Yeah. That's yep. fine. Yeah. Just we just took a couple of years off from releasing music. No big deal. That was no totally tours. calculated. Yeah. Now I'm
5: gonna. I'll just. No. I'm kidding. Yeah. Twenty. 20 years. Had this planned. <laughs> yeah. Of course.
4: We just wanted to come back for the twenty year anniversary. That was obviously how we put it all together. Yep. <laughs> um. The last two things I wanted to hit before I let you go was the. You know. Your, uh, I'm. I'm uh, moving in. I know.
5: That's fine. All right. We're, we're Great hospitality. <laughs> that's my pleasure. Good yeah. company. You got a pretty solid record collection here. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I just, I'm going to move in. Yeah. Okay. That's good. The, uh,
4: cause you always got, you guys always existed in this sort of like Christian adjacent scene where it was like, and that's, that was like the militia group as well. Like, you know, it, it was like, no, you. Christian kids were, like, allowed to support you guys, and I I use that in air quotes, like, you know, but it was just, like, it it was always really interesting because certain bands could pull that off but never fully, like, you know, go into the idea of being, like, you know, hey, we're a spirit-filled hardcore band. We're a faith-based band or whatever. I just don't, it it was interesting to watch, you know, you guys and other bands navigate that world where it was, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, because there was never any mission statement from you guys being, like, oh, yeah, we are this or whatever, but um, I'm sure that was something that you observed, maybe, or you witnessed. I don't know uh, is that, if that's something that resonates with you. Yeah,
5: absolutely. That. So all of us grew up as Christians, mm-hmm. and when we played in Ember, Ember played like Christian shows, like sure. quote-unquote. Ember would play churches, stuff, yeah. but we'd also play bars <clears throat> and clubs right. and things like that. And so when we started Beautiful Mistake, I remember Sean and Josh and Steve and I sat down and were like, we want nothing to do with the quote-unquote Christian music scene. Now, I will say that, mm-hmm. but we also said, but we want everything to do with Christians because right. we don't want to be exclusionary of them. Like sure. if you're a Christian or you're Hindu or you're uh, agnostic, we want you to identify with our music. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a certain religion or a, from a certain background to enjoy what we're doing. Right. So we really wanted it to be more inclusive in that aspect. But we also didn't want anything to do with that scene. And that was just for ourselves. Sure. It You know, it was no judgment to the other bands that we played with. Mm-hmm. It was no judgment to the kids that would only go to shows at certain venues. But we had seen a lot of pretty un-Christian like behavior Mm -hmm. when we were in Ember. So we just really didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And people would ask in interviews, like, are you guys Christians? And I'd be like, yeah, we're Christians. Like I don't, but I'm also not here to sell you a belief system. Right. And I think that's how we were able to, to kind of be on the periphery of that and draw those kids in. Because we, I was never, uh, I never was ashamed of mm-hmm. answering that question. Right. Are you guys Christians? Yeah. Yeah. Man, you guys are like nice. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Good, cool. Good. That's good. Like, winning on that one, I guess. <laughs> right. But uh, w- we were able to do it and kind of bring those kids in. But on our terms, yeah, and that's what we really, really were intentional about sure. when we first started the band. Uh, we want we didn't want to be on a Christian quote, a quote unquote Christian label, right? We didn't want to play. We we refused to play churches.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: We refused to uh, have
4: anything to do with that, right? The, and, yeah, that that was like not the. La- I mean, that obviously that's probably why you guys didn't sign a tooth and nail.
5: Yeah, that was one of the main reasons. I mean, yep. I remember there was this magazine called HM. HM, yeah, yeah, Heaven's Metal. Of course, right. they changed it to HM just because it doesn't sound as lame. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember buying that magazine, you know, and when I was a, when I was younger, and and I thought a lot of stuff in there was pretty cool, and and uh, Doug the. The editor of HM was bugging Militia Group to run an ad, and they wanted to do an article mm-hmm. with us, sure. an interview, and blah, 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 No, 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 no. Don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. Chad, you're not allowed to put an ad in there. Mm-hmm. We don't want any of our CDs in Christian bookstores. Yep. No. Okay. We're not playing the game. Right, We're not going to do it. And so Doug reached out to me through the internet and was like, I want you to do this. Please do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so HM Magazine in every issue would interview a secular band. And it was called, the, the, the title of the, the series was called What So-and-So Says. Okay. And it was always like where they would they would interview... Marilyn Manson, oh, okay. or they would interview Tom from Slayer. Sure. Or it would be somebody like that, Jason right. Newstead from Metallica. Sure. And they would they would ask him questions about their band, but then they would also ask him, like, where do you stand? Like, yeah, how do you feel about God? And, right. And so they were doing a little bit of exploring, but it was a safe place so the readers knew. Okay. If I don't want to get exposed to this. Bingo. Yep. Right. Yep. Can't listen to Slayer. And so... He had reached out to me and I said, Well, I'll do it if you put me in the what so and so says. <laughs> and he's like, No, I can't do that. I'm like, Well, then we won't do it. So yeah. it was, we, we made a, a conscious de- decision to avoid that at yeah. all costs. And I want people to get whatever they want to get out of our lyrics. Right. If you, when I say you, they think I'm talking about God mm-hmm. or they think I'm talking about a girlfriend. Or my mom, or my best friend, right? Get whatever you want out of it. Sure. If you get something, that's all that I care about.
2: Right. That's and that's you're...
5: all that we care about as a band.
4: Right. Yeah. You were intentional about that. So yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. But we toured
5: with. Right. You had no problem. Amberlin, Emery. Um. I yeah. mean, the list. I I, I could list hundred bands that we toured with or played shows as cities burn. Right. Poetic.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had no 238.
5: problem. Yep, you had no problem existing in that world, but yeah, you were just you
2: were intentional,
4: nope. in being like, yeah, we don't want to be viewed as just this thing because it was that, at, at, especially at that time. That was when bands were having to be more deliberate about choosing that lane, so to
5: speak. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story if we have time. Mm-hmm. It, so, the last show that we ever played as a full band in 2005 was at a festival called Purple Door Festival. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we had booked Hellfest, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, I knew some people that worked for Purple Door and they were like, could you please play? Yeah. And I'm like, Ugh. I don't, no, no, no. And then finally I was like, well, we're going to be at Hellfest. Sure. So, sure. Right. And, you know, Under Oath was playing and, yeah, and yeah, Copeland totally. was playing. I mean, all we were stake friends stake or, with, yeah, yeah, sure. And we were friends with Copeland and we were friends with Under Oath and all those bands. So I'm like, all right, we'll do it. And they're like, okay, we're going to give you three grand to play. I'm like, yeah. I was like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> Three grand. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely play. <laughs> yeah, totally. We'll definitely play. And so we get to Purple Door, and I get the lineup for when we're playing. So we're, there's only two big stages, and okay. it's at this ski resort. So like it's in the summer, mm-hmm. so the, it's like a natural amphitheater. Right. So we're on the heavy stage or whatever it was called. I don't know. Sure. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to speculate what it was called. It's probably horrible. <laughs> and it's haste the day. Mm-hmm. Then us and then Norma Jean.
2: Oh great. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, <laughs> yeah.
5: Oh boy. This is gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, people yeah. are gonna be so bombed. Cause we didn't even know if people would know who we were. Sure. In the grand scheme of things, like how many of these kids ever saw us play here before? You know, whether we played in at the championship in Lemoyne. Right. Or we played at the North Star Bar in Philly, like how many these kids probably have never even seen us. Right. So, Hayes today gets up and uh, Jimmy, their singer at the time, super good dude. He was really nice to us and they just tore it up and kids are like back flipping. And I mean, it's just yes. a sea of bodies like 3,000 kids, crazy. And we get up and we start playing and it's like a sea of kids and kids are like screaming along. Wow. You're like, oh. I'm like, oh, this is rad. And then Norma Jean gets up and just destroys it. Sure. it, it they were awesome. And, and, um, Corey's always been just a, a really good front man and, mm-hmm. and they were legit. So I go back to the merch table. We're hanging out at the merch table and we're just selling a, a ridiculous amount of merch. Right. So end of the sh- end of the festival, I'm like, I wonder how much merch we did. So yeah. I'm starting to count money and I'm like, we did like eight grand in merch. Oh I'm gosh. like, that's more that we did the entire tour in like three years in merch. <laughs> I'm like, we should have been doing this the whole time damn like,
4: yeah, like what was i what? thinking totally
5: you're like wow man in retrospect yeah. yeah and that was the last show like full band show that we ever did wow dude, you know so it was yeah kind of, you're it like- was one of those things i was like we we refuse to do like christian festivals or christian shows and then i agree to do one right. it's our last show ever and you make like 10 we, right. we made like eleven thousand dollars. right in
4: like a day and a half just the icing on the cake you're like well whoops that's a that's yeah well yeah yeah, yeah you learned totally <laughs> um, did you have a, uh, like, you know, obviously as you were, you know, transitioning out where you were saying like, you know, I don't have the drive. I don't have the ability to, you know, get back on that horse. Was it, uh, I, was it difficult for you to transition to quote unquote real life? Like, cause you know, I know some people, especially not so much from a, um, like, oh, I don't know how to function in the world, but just in a, Um, I am known as Josh from The Beautiful Mistake. And, like, that sort of ego play, like, uh, no matter how much you try to detach yourself from it, um,
5: was it difficult for you to do that? This is the Roy Firestone moment of Uh, the podcast, right? All right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was difficult. Um, Being on tour and being in a band and have people paying to come see you play night after night and, and people spending money on things that you're selling... That's not reality. You know, it it, it it's not real life. Mm-hmm. So if you have your priorities in check and you have people that keep you grounded, you can do those things. You can be in a band and, and be a performer mm-hmm. and pour yourself out emotionally on the stage, but you also have people that keep you in check that know, hey, you're you're Ray. Right. You're not Ray from Taken. Sure. Your identity is that you're Ray. Right. And so When I stopped doing it, it was really hard because I was working at a Starbucks in downtown San Diego Mm -hmm. and people would come in all the time. When I first started, they're like, Josh, mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're like, aren't you in beautiful mistake? Aren't you in beautiful mistake? And and I would just like a little piece of me, a little piece of my ego would die. Sure. Every time. Because here I'm in like a green apron and I'm making a latte and I've got people yelling at me and, you know, calling me a monkey. And I mean, just crazy stuff. And I'm like, yeah, a part of me just died. But it was a part of my ego that was dying, you know? Right. But having that, not having the band mm-hmm. was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it so bad in one sense, but it wasn't a healthy sense.
2: Oh, I, sure. I didn't
5: want it because I wanted to make music and just express myself. I wanted the fix of... Rec- being recognized, I wanted the fix of being popular. Sure. I wanted the fix of selling records. Uh, I wanted that fix back. Yep. I didn't necessarily want all the work. I didn't want uh, the sincerity that ne- was needed to be able to do it from a right a right place. Mm-hmm. I wanted just the fix of oh, you're in a band. That's cool, right? You know, and I I think there's a lot of us who grew up and maybe we weren't star athletes or we weren't the most popular people Mm -hmm. and so whether you're doing music from a good place or not or a sincere place there's still that aspect of you were that nerd in high school and now you're not right on some level of course and so for me that was that was part of it like i just wanted the fix of of being the cool rock guy again Mm -hmm. and not having that's very humbling Mm -hmm. And it took a long time for me to kind of work that out. Sure. And so when we got back together um, in 2018, Mm -hmm. you know, all of us had kind of done the work to not be in that spot anymore. Totally. You know, I mean, I I spent a lot of money on counseling Mm -hmm. and uh, getting myself right in my head and my heart right. Sure. Sure on all other aspects of my life, you know, mm-hmm. not music. Sure. But when we got back together, it, it there was an innocence there. There was a purity there that that felt really good. Sure. Because it wasn't an ego stroke. It's like, I just get to hang out with my friends. This is awesome. Right, right. Because you're better, you're,
4: at that point, you're, you know, you've gone through things and you're better equipped as an adult to be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, like you said, all of that stuff is fleeting. But like, yeah. oh, what, what we're creating here together... That's the realest thing that we can get. Anything else happens after that, it's like whatever.
5: Yeah, and and just to reiterate, yeah. like when when we st- when I stopped doing the band, you know, we had seen highs and lows throughout Beautiful Mistake. I mean, we played in Europe to like three thousand people with Funeral for a Friend, and then we played to uh, three people, one of which was Ken mm-hmm. from Eighteen Visions, who was visiting his girlfriend in Lawrence, Kansas. Sure, to three people, right. he was one of the three, and we already knew him. Right. So the peaks and valleys never were the uh, – the peaks and valleys of popularity were never my issue. It was mm-hmm. more just the right, the recognition. The, and, sure, sure. And it, it's been really cool to be back. And it almost feels like because you all have jobs and you all have stable lives – that yeah. the band is more fun it's almost like when you first started it totally is and you get to you get to enjoy it for what it is and there's no delusions of grandeur it almost keeps you grounded by default right which is which is rad i mean we just released our single on monday mm-hmm. and i called our our guitar player steve he's an administrator for the riverside public school district okay yeah and i called him up and i'm like you know what's awesome yeah he's like what we released our new single today. This yeah. is pretty cool, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm so stoked. I'm like, you know what's even better? Yeah. Like, I have a job right. and I have benefits and 401K. And I'm sitting in my office right now knee deep in writing reviews. Sure. But I'm super stoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Totally. So there's that balance
4: there. Right. Because yeah. it's the, the deliberateness that it takes in order to pull something like that off. Just to be able to be like, hey, let's spend time together. Let's do all of this together. Yeah and everybody is actively choosing to do it as opposed to like oh we got to do this because you know uh, we got to put on another record in 6 months because of this you know yes. business pressure or whatever yeah and it feels i mean to see the joy on all of your guys' faces as you are doing all of this it's ver- uh, it, it's very apparent like even honestly if i de- didn't even know you guys just witnessing
5: what you're doing it it it's very apparent yeah it's fun <laughs> Which is cool. It's, it's rad, you know. Yeah. And we've it, it's been really cool to see people kind of come out of the woodwork and be supportive, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 see like being off for 15 years, you still have people that are like, "Hey, we love you guys, and we want to help you out." That's you know, right. like whether it's you. I mean, the the only reason we have new recorded music out that sounds as awesome as it does is because of you. I mean, you made that connection with Bo. Yeah, for us and. The only reason we need knew you is because of course played with you back in the day. Back I mean day, yeah. I told you that John was super jealous that I get to come on here today. <laughs> but like John is the biggest taken fan on earth. Sure. And he he through him, we've all become huge fans of not just you as a human being, but sure. also the music that you make. Sure. And so, you know, from from you and Bo to like Comteen, who used to do absolute punk and all yep. that stuff and he did our layout and then so um, cool. David from exit Han- or from it prevails. Uh huh. He's been a fan of beautiful mistake. He did our pictures. So it's been really cool to see people come out of the woodwork and be like, Hey, we love you guys. Like we I want to support you-. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Then- and it it means it just has been really like humbling and, and really cool for us. So yeah, we've got like perma smile right now. Right. You're like, like, yes. I can't yeah, believe like, all this. Yeah, yeah. Tom from Washed Up Emo announced our single coming out and I and I, I was like, I, Yeah, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> like I'm so excited because your last post was about, I don't know, like Rainer Maria or something like that, or yeah, yeah. Or, or Jimmy World or Jejune sure. or somebody like that. And I am right. like, oh my gosh, they're my favorite band. And then <laughs> now we're the next thing in your feed, and yeah. that's really cool. But not in, like, an ego stroke kind of no. way, just like a... Wow,
4: we get to exist.
5: I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah.
4: No, dude, and that, like I said, that's, it's really, really um awesome to be able to just observe that, not only, like, obviously as your guy's friend, but just as, even if I did not know you, being able to watch something like that organically happen is just, like, it's exciting. And that's, that's what you see with so many people doing creative stuff, where it's just like... Oh man, when it happens like at the right time, it's just like the the the
5: joy that you can see from it is so real and palpable. Yeah, and I think that that connects with people on a yeah. deep, deeper level, you know. So w- whether you're writing a record uh, and 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 talking about a lot of pain that you've been through, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether it's sickness yep. or divorce yep. or loss or death, you, when you're in a good place in your life outside of that yeah and you're working through these things you're not 21 Mm -hmm. and broke and living in a van next to three guys that you've just yelled at right for 10 hours (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. you know when you're in a good spot i think that the regardless of what you've gone through your art can come from a very healthy place Mm -hmm. and i think that resonates with people um because there's that even though you're you're maybe um talking about hard times like there's joy through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Through all that. Right. So it's it's not just like... You're not alone in those experiences. Like people, like,
4: pe- the the when you're putting stuff like that out in the world, people feel less alone. And I think that's yeah, like the, absolutely. A, an incredibly powerful thing that people feel drawn in by that whatever experience that you are expressing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Well, Josh, we did this, dude.
5: Yeah, we did. This I'm, is great. <laughs> this is, like, awesome for me. <laughs> Because I'm a huge fan. I told you before. Yeah. I'm not a podcast guy. Yeah. Not at all. But this one cut through and I appreciate it. Your that. podcast is fantastic. So it's an honor, honor to be here.
4: Okay. That was a great chat. Hopefully, uh, yeah, you got to know Josh a little bit. You got to know his band a little bit. Like I said, they're coming out with a new EP. Very soon on Wiretap Records. Uh, it's coming on vinyl, CD, all that So well, Actually, no. I don't think it's coming out on CD. But you need to buy the vinyl because, uh, and the, the EP is really, really good. I love it. And they're playing some shows and you know, just fun stuff in general. Next week I have Ryan Patterson from photo crime. He also played, that's his current project. He also played in Coliseum and he's just been a very, very active person within the Louisville music scene and uh creator of independent culture in general. Does a company called shirt killer and yeah, I don't know, just a lot of great stuff. So, um, yeah, that's what we got next week. And until then, please be safe, everybody.
3: Drain from their soul.
5: Yeah, I think at the Daily Zeitgeist,
0: we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed and can have a decent day after listening.
3: So, guys, listen to the Daily Zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever. fine podcasts are given away for free.
2: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference.